Thanks for listening to Sex with Emily. On today's show, I'm joined by Janae Paylette, a sex and intimacy coach and author of the forthcoming book, Living an Orgasmic Life. We talk about reaching your full orgasmic potential, overcoming the shame-pleasure paradox, understanding the difference between arousal and desire, and we walk you through an exercise to tap into your sexual energy, something you can do along with us. There's a lot of useful tools and information packed into the show, and of course, it's also a good time. Enjoy the show. All this and more. Thanks for listening. A couple months ago, I very proudly promoted the Kickstarter campaign for UV, a revolutionary product that I'm pretty sure was invented just for me. Well, thanks to you, the campaign was a success, and now you can order one for yourself. UV is the only product on the market that can sanitize sex toys while charging and discreetly storing them. It was my favorite innovation of 2016. Why? Because it solves two serious toy challenges at once. It charges and cleans your toys. That's right, you'll never reach into your goodie drawer again to find a lifeless, unwashed toy. Such a bummer when that happens. And it's so cool. It's an ultraviolet cleaning system that eliminates 99.9% of harmful bacteria found on sex toys. Plus, its onboard USB port keeps your rechargeable toys ready to go. UV is available in two sizes, the Go Play and the larger Home version. Believe me, I will be furnishing my home with a dozen of these things because... You know how many toys I have. Your support helped bring the UV to life. And now you can order one. To learn more, just click on the UV banner on my website or visit uvclean.com. That's U-V-E-E, clean.com today. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Hey, Emily. You got a boyfriend? Because uh, my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. A girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean, like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. Well, you know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. You're listening to Sex with Emily. We're talking about sex, relationships, and everything in between. For more information, go to sexwithemily.com. Thank you, everybody who's been visiting the site and reading all the blog posts because we've got a lot of great stuff going on on the website, and I so appreciate that. And thank you also for subscribing to the podcast, you guys. It's so important that you subscribe. It really helps us continue to do the show. Do it twice a week to keep it free. I love that. It just helps. Just press that subscribe button. It doesn't change your life at all, but it can help. Well, it does change your life. Let me tell you why. It changes your life because you'll get two episodes a week because they'll they'll automatically show up for you. And you can also go back to where you were, fast forward um, the spot that you left off on the podcast. That helps. So I love that. And you can also follow me on all social media. It's at Sex with Emily across the board. Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, all of that stuff and I love hearing from you all in there as well but if you have a lot here's my note to you if you have a longer question that you want me to answer please email me feedback at sexwithemily.com or go to the website because if it's on snap I read it it goes away I save it sometimes I forget to go back you guys understand how a snap works and all that so just best to go through the website and they will get to your question and now I'm going to get to my amazing guest sitting here I'm so excited to talk to Janae Paylette Janae and I took class together. We did our Somatica training in San Francisco last year. Janae has a book coming out. And I loved your book, Janae, because I feel like my listeners get so much out of it because there's such practical exercises for people 
to improve their sex life. I'm going to get to that in a minute, but Janae is a former healthcare attorney. She's a sex and intimacy coach, and Janae lived in a sexless marriage for over 20 years. And I think a lot of you can relate to that. We get these questions all the time. She's no longer in that sexless place, and she's done really hard work. She's gotten every certification on the planet so she could help herself and others men and women have better sex and relationships. And she's really passionate about working with people who are sexually disconnected, which is something that I really want to talk about today as well. People being just disconnected from their bodies. And that's a big reason why people don't want to have sex. And you help people reclaim their pleasure, transform their relationships. And welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. And let's talk about your book, Living an Orgasmic Life, Heal Yourself and Awaken Your Pleasure. Great title, great book, great everything. So you wrote this book because um, you were in a sexless marriage. I mean, you didn't know you were going to write the book. Like it's after <sighs> 20 years of, or you were in the relationship for 20 years, mar- sexless marriage. I was, I was Tell married. Tell me your story. Break it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emily, I was um, married for 26 years. We actually signed our separation agreement on our 26th anniversary. That was done purposely. Okay. I would say a good 20 of those years was a sexless marriage. And it's not like it happened immediately. These type of things start happening kind of gradually. And honestly, I feel like I've always blamed it on my husband. But what I realized when I started like doing my own work was that it was really all my own stuff. I mean, a lot of it was my own stuff where I was just so shut down around my sexuality sex had always been painful for me so like like really physically painful physically painful like felt like a knife going into your vagina that's how painful it felt it's horrible it's it's a condition called vaginismus yeah we hear about this a lot it's very common for women to experience pain so during that time in your marriage did you ever go see a gynecologist or try to get it checked out it's a really good question. Um, I had a lot of visits with, a, I mean, this is the other part of the problem. I had a lot of physical wounding, like I had a lot of urinary tract infections, and I constantly had all sorts of other like yeast infections. So everything and anything having to do with sex sucked. It just <laughs> did, right? It, well, just, it just did. And I don't know that I ever talked to, not until I had a female gynecologist and I was already out of the marriage did I even bring it up, right? Because I think there was so much shame and embarrassment and feeling like I was broken. Right, of course. I think that there's so many women who feel that way, even if they just mean that extreme and then also women just can't have orgasms or don't want sex and have low libido. And I feel like your book is just, I'd be thinking something and then you cover it. Like there's so many great (laughs) tools in there. So, I mean, that's just so you were there, you were in New York, I mean, your whole story about high-profile job, you know, raising your kid, one, you, your son. Two. Two, two, two kids. Two kids. Super talented. Like, you, you and your husband were, like, living, like, on the outside, looks like the perfect life, right? That's, Beautiful that's home. Right. Um, what could be wrong? They seem so happy. <laughs> Except it, for they're not having sex. Except that we're not having sex. So you got divorced. Yeah, we Still having pain that you separated. You know, that happens, right? Yeah, the mar- marriages just start falling apart. We were sleeping in separate beds. Like, we really were very good, um, a very good parental unit and even like a little bit of a business unit because, you know, we did some yeah. theater work on the side. But like, we were not lovers. We had no lovership relationship. Right. Right. So when you said, I think it's really interesting when you just said you would blame him for everything. And I think that is really common. Can you tell me some of the things... I mean, you don't have to get as specific if you don't, you don't want to, but I think that people might be able to relate to like, not that you were having pain, but like it's more that he didn't 
to do what? You didn't do it right. I wasn't aroused enough. I was always dry. You know, I would, you know, he would try to go down on me for like 45 minutes and nothing would happen. Really what happened now I know, I just checked out. I disassociated, right? right? I really wasn't in the experience. And so I never, I really didn't have orgasms until, you know, I hit my 40s. Wow. And, you know, had finally like was like, oh, I'm going to try this vibrator thing. When sexuality started stirring in my body in my mm -hmm. mid 40s as I was realizing I was going to be leaving this marriage. Okay. You know? And then it started stirring again. It did. Okay. It did start Which, stirring. And then what, what stirred it up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I wasn't a healthcare lawyer, uh -huh. um, I was producing theater at Broadway shows in New York City, like musicals. And I, as, as part of that, I had to raise a lot of money. And so I started uh, taking a lot of different men with a lot of money out to lunch. And I started getting some attention from them, which felt really, really weird because, you know, nobody had told me I was pretty or I was sexy and I certainly didn't feel that way. Right. But And you should see her. <laughs> Beautiful, sexy woman. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then something just started stirring inside of me. That's all I can say. There was like, there's something missing in my life. I'm not sure what it is. I have a successful career. My kids are awesome. We have this beautiful apartment in New York City living this perfect life. But there's this piece that's so missing for me where I was so not fulfilled. It was just, that's what it, it felt like. Right. It felt like a stir. Right. And how many years ago was that? You've been on this track for? Um, so about seven years or so. All this you've done in seven years? Yeah. Jesus, you've been busy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it. To me, like that's like a lifetime. Okay, which is great why you wrote, because people can go through these experiences that you've had. You really like hit it off. So seven years. Yeah. And now you're having like tantric, yeah. full body orgasms. Yeah. Yeah, and ejaculating and, you know, feel a lot of pleasure and sensation. It's Is your husband amazing. like, hi, can we try this again? Does he know what's going on? He's like, what the hell? I got the, the, the vaginismus, uh, Janae. What the, what's the deal? So the name of your book, Living an Orgasmic Life, Heal Yourself and Awaken Your Pleasure. What does that mean to live an orgasmic? I picture you like living an orgasmic life right now. Like you probably are having one right now. But, but really, what does that mean? Mean. Yeah. So for me, living an orgasmic life means that you're, you know, you know what a great orgasm is about a flow. You have these peaks and these valleys, but there's an ease to a great orgasm. You don't have to struggle, right? So to me, living an orgasmic life is living a life that has ease to it, that flows to it, where you can fully like put yourself out there and do whatever it is that you feel that you need to do. Living an orgasmic life is really about being in the flow. And, you know, it happens because when we connect with our sexuality at a very deep level, it really does create a flow in our body, a flow of energy. So let's talk about why we are so disconnected before we can talk about connecting to everybody. Great. Why are we so disconnected from our bodies? Men and women, but yeah. if we could talk about, I mean, I love that, you know, you are a woman and you know your own experience. So, and that's why I love that a man could never have, have written this book. You can't have the kind, he doesn't have the refractory period we have. He doesn't have the, the organs we have, the whole thing. So right. let's talk about this disconnect, why we shut down. Yeah. So, well, we shut down for a lot of different reasons, but I think it, it starts with that, you know, I, I say in my book that women are just pre-programmed to say no from all the messages that we received about because of shame or we're going to be a slut we're going to be a slut exactly all of that stuff right so that that already makes us start with a no that's one piece of it a second piece that i think is really important and it's a big difference between men and women 
is that men wear their arousal equipment, their penis, their testicles, on the outside of their body. And as little boys and as teenagers, they're constantly feeling their cock and they're constantly feeling arousal. So they are much more physically aware of sensation and excitement. And oh, when I get aroused, I have a response. Right. And so let's talk about the difference because I think this is a huge, very confusing point for so many. I mean, I say this a lot on the show that women are slow cookers, men are frying pans, men get turned on really quickly, women don't. And I love the way you kind of break down arousal versus desire in your book. So let's kind of explain that. This is why it happens, you know, men and women were very different. Yeah. So that your arousal actually has to precede your desire. That's right. Um, for women, your arousal has to precede your desire. Right? right. So, and we've all had that experience, right? Like, well, maybe I wasn't like quite ready for it, but then I started getting turned on, and then it was feeling really good, and then I had an orgasm, and then my partner was done, and I was like, "Are you kidding? Come on, let's keep on going." Right? right. And that's very typical. Although libido is really too, I don't want sex. You don't have the desire. So another way in which women get disconnected is all of the issues around menstruation and any female problems that women have, right? We start looking at our vagina and we start looking at our whole pelvic bowl as separate from the rest of our body, as not part of us. And so we physically disconnect. It's like, oh, it's happening down there as opposed to, oh, this is a part of me. Right, it's so it's so important. I mean, I talk about this all the time that, that when you do, we talk about this a lot at our somatica too, but when you do your Kegel exercises or, or you meditate and if you don't breath, Breath work is just everything. It will help you with your stress, your anxiety, your sex life, your focus, your concentration, your health. But when you actually deliberately breathe into your pelvic floor, that is like a first step towards awakening. That's absolutely right. I just did it just now. Yeah, it feels really good. It does feel really good, but it's not even like you're literally... I mean, how do you explain that? You have great exercises in the book. Yeah. You have some around breathing in. I mean, breathing is you know, one of the critical components of being able to awaken your sexuality, right? Because um, there's this great saying, the more you breathe, the more you feel. And it happens on a lot of different levels. The more you breathe, the more oxygen you bring into your body, the more your nerve endings all over your body start firing. Most of us are like not bringing nearly enough breath into our body. It's a lifelong practice. It is. So, I mean, eventually it could become... Um, more of a um, habit, I guess, to breathe, which, you know, something I've always been working on. I think a lot of people don't even realize that they're holding their breath a lot. You yeah. know, sometimes they'll hear me in my office have like huge sighs. I'm like, no, I'm not stressed. I'm just remembering to breathe, you know, but yeah. I've known this for years. So it is a great practice. So that's part of it is the physical part. People can start with breath. But another reason why we're also disconnected and shut down is because of a lot of trauma, early experiences we've had in our life. I mean, there's just... Trapped emotions, right? Trapped emotions in our body. In our body as well. I mean, the you know, I talk about a woman's pelvic bowl as being her second heart and her I second brain. that quote out. I loved it. Right. You say, a woman's pelvic... Do you mind if I quote you? Please. Uh, the woman, woman's pelvic bowl, the uterus, ovaries, vagina, is her second heart and second brain, the source of tremendous love and wisdom and the gateway to orgasmic life energy. It is from this place of birth and rebirth that we sow the seeds for all of our future endeavors and deeply connect to all of our emotions, including those in the deep recesses of our brain and our body. So when I say, and we all talk about breathing and doing your Kegel exercises and being connected, this is what we're talking. It truly is the source it of is. the feminine, of our energy. And I 
been very disconnected. I still walk around sometimes disconnected. So it's a practice, right? In life. And that's me, you guys. I'm being very honest. So it's okay if you still feel disconnected sometimes, but we want to like wake everybody up so you can truly be connected most of the time, especially when you're having sex. And, and well, I mean, hopefully you're connected in life when you're with your friends, your life, walk through life being present and connected. But what we're focusing now is being actually connected during sex because not only you shut down until you don't want sex, but a lot of people have sex or having sex and they leave their bodies, disassociate, yeah. all of that. Yep. So I think it would be fun if we did an exercise from the book. Let's do it. Okay, your turn. You pick. Okay, so I think we should do the sexual blueprint exercise. Okay. What does this do? So just like um, every house has a blueprint, an architectural blueprint with doors and plumbing, we have a blueprint that governs our relationship with sex and intimacy, but specifically with sex. And the blueprint is based on a couple of things. Messages that we received as kids around sex, early childhood sexual experiences, like with playing doctor and masturbation, and then early sexual, like first actual sexual experiences. Okay. And depending upon the messages that we received, it really has an impact on our relationship with sex as an adult because we carry that with us. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. okay. So we're going to uncover mine? Yeah. Let's uncover yours. Oh, God. All right. Let's look at some of the messages that you received from your parents. Okay. About sex. Got and it. so we would want to look at, like, did your parents kiss in front of you? Were their kisses tender or were they kind of perfunctory? Did they sort of create a sex positive kind of environment where there was some affection? There was, yeah, good question. There's a little bit. My parents got divorced when I was eight or nine. I probably saw them kiss a little bit, but not much. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know about it. It wasn't not a, it wasn't a sex negative environment, but they did get divorced. So I don't really remember them being that connected were there other physically. people like did your mother remarry and would yes. she have boyfriends so, and was yeah that- and that was a disaster right. well I mean my mom had a, I had an abusive stepdad for four years that lived with us six months after she got divorced from my dad and he moved in and that was he was like physically abusive and mm. emotionally yeah. more emotionally yeah so that was bad my parents were each married three times and stuff yeah like that. so lots of challenges right so that makes us feel less safe Right. Around I never felt safe. Male True. female relationships, mm-hmm. right? And less confident and not having like the role models for what a healthy sexual relationship could look like. Right. Right. So that's part of your sexual blueprint. For sure. Right. For mm-hmm. in, in my case, my dad died when I was three and my mom was forty-three and she never remarried and she never even dated. Wow. So she was like essentially asexual. Right. Right. And so there was Oh, so maybe that's where some of your stuff came from too, right? That's Mm -hmm. what you saw. Mm -hmm. See, that's interesting because I did see my mom go out on dates and start dating before after the divorce with the second guy. But yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so from your mom, you were your mom was not a sexual person. Your dad died before you can even remember. Totally. Interesting. Okay. So it made me feel totally like uncomfortable and you know she like when I had my period she could barely talk to me about it right. and I was like so that's a part of the disconnect of you we, know we have so much shame around it right exactly we don't understand our bodies exactly. okay got it another type of message that we receive or experience that we have are like early sexual exploration okay 
Um, so yeah, did you have any experiences that might have not gone as well as you would have hoped or ways in which... You know what's you know, so interesting? So early, that's an interesting ask about the early sexual experiences because I really didn't have any. I mean, I, I, you know, my boyfriend's, you know, I've had sex when I was like 17, my boyfriend of a year. But my big thing is for me, early, I didn't even, I didn't feel anything. I think I was very shut down emotionally because I had a lot of trauma growing up. And yeah. so for me, I never masturbated. It never even occurred to me. I never even knew that there was anything to feel. Yeah. And so it wasn't until I started having sex when I was in college that I was just talking to my girlfriends one day and I was saying to them, they're having sex. I'm like, I just don't get it. I was like, I felt close to my boy because I had another boyfriend at the time for two years in college. And I was like, I don't get it though. They're like, well, don't you have an orgasm? And it was like the first time I'd heard of orgasm. Oh. You know, so it, I was a very late bloomer in that way. But I also feel like even after I found out what it was, I still felt that my body was just kind of shut down. Yeah. What about as a child? Like, do you have memories of playing doctor or doing anything like that? I have, well, it's funny because you talked about playing with a girl yeah. and you got sent home, right, when you were a kid. And I just remember one one story playing with my friend Jennifer in like third grade. And it's funny because I had six friends named Jennifer. So if any of them are listening, no one will know what they are, who they are. <laughs> um, but Jennifer, we were, must have been in like third grade. And I remember sitting in my room and she was like playing my boyfriend. And we took our shirts off and she like put her hand on my boob. And I remember it felt good. Mm. I remember thinking, oh, that was, that was kind of sexy and turned me on. But yeah. that's the only time I remember having any kind of like early play, which I didn't remember until I was reading your book. Yeah. Often we don't remember those things. No, right. right. Until like you get prompted. I think it was a lot of survival mode after the age of eight to like now. And it makes <laughs> sense, right? Because when you're in a, you're feeling like you're in an unsafe environment and there's a lot of trauma, right? right? You just are not connected with right. your sexuality because to be sexual, you have to be vulnerable. Right. And that's the last thing that you could possibly want to be when right, you're to show weakness and to show right. that, I, right. So that, and I think that a lot of people, we have trauma of all different, right? I mean, we shut down for so many different reasons. Yeah. So a lot of the, the sexual challenges that people have, men and women, are go back to this trauma that we have not healed. If one in three women have sexual trauma, is it one in six men have sexual trauma? I think trauma? it's like one in five. Yeah. One, one in I mean, five men, yes. And so imagine if we all could solve that. So let's keep going to do some more blueprint questions. Can I share yes, my... Because I had a really intense experience which had a huge impact oh, on my yeah, sexuality. But I didn't realize it until I was in my 50s. Okay. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Just pretty amazing. So when I was um, seven or eight years old, we had this dog. His name was Lucky. He was a Yorkshire Terrier. Very cranky dog. And I had a love-hate relationship with him. Mostly he was very nippy and barky and snarky. And he used to hide under my bed and bite me if I tried to get him to take him out for a walk. But one thing about Lucky is that he started jumping on my bed and sniffing my pussy. Okay. And then he started licking it. And it and I was like seven or eight years old, right? And it felt really good. And I also knew from my earlier experience of thinking that my best friend had been, you know, left the country because we got caught playing doctor, right. that this was really bad. Like what I did with her was terrible. Right. This, this, was was like, also, this was all in the book about your first, right. Okay, right. got it. So this was this, like this, much, much, much right, worse, right? right? I, and I was always anxious every time he did it that my mom was going to walk in. Right. So what happened was there was this anxiety coupled with pleasure, mm. anxiety coupled with pleasure. Right. So then it makes sense. Why did I hate oral sex? Right. I associated my body associated pleasure, especially oral sex pleasure 
with anxiety and fear. Right. Right. And it was actually like a learned body response. Yeah. It wasn't until I started doing my own work that I was like, oh my God, I couldn't, you know what? It was so intense that I repressed this memory. Right. I didn't even remember it. When it came to that's when you kind of were able to release a lot of your. Yeah. This is part of healing your pain. Yeah, so part of like one of the ways in which uh, we start to heal our shame is to normalize it and to be able to talk about it. And this was fascinating because I I talked about it at a a retreat and it was very hard for me to talk about it. And then somebody else came up and said to me, oh, you know, I used to let my cat rub against me Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's so many people you hear about that stories all the time. Right. Right, I just got a dog. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Um, But no, but right, we hear that all the time. Right, I could see that. Wow, what freedom you must have gotten from that. Oh, my God. I think really when that happened, it broke open the floodgates. It was like, okay, I'm not into bestiality. I'm not sick, right? Like, I was just a a seven-year-old little girl experiencing something that felt good. Right. Right? Yeah. And you coupled it. So for all those years, that's what kind of built up to the the pain that you were actually experiencing. One of the things, for sure. So that came out during one of your trainings or a workshop you were doing? It came out during a sexuality workshop that I was doing, Yeah, where we were talking about shame. Okay, Janae, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the shame-pleasure paradox. All too familiar. Thank you, everyone, for supporting my sponsors. I so appreciate you, and you know that I never talk about a service or a product that I don't love, that I haven't tried, and that won't make your life a lot better. So thanks for listening. We'll be right back. I've heard every condom excuse in the world. Okay, and maybe even use some myself. You know what I'm talking about. Sex feels worse with a condom. You can't feel anything. They're too small. Okay, settle down there, big guy. What if I said you haven't tried the right condom? That's what I realized when I first tried skin condoms. I literally thought condoms can feel good and even make sex better. I mean, who knew? Skin condoms are non-latex and super thin and honestly don't feel like any other condom. And here's why they're cool. You can keep that intimate connection because they transfer heat and sensation like they're not even there. And there's no need to worry about size issues. There are plenty of options. Or just grab a variety pack to find which feels the best to you. Skin condoms are available pretty much everywhere. Or you can check them out at skin.com. That's S-K-Y-N.com. Can you guess what search term is always at the top of the list on sexwithemily.com? It's the womanizer, the toy that has everyone talking, from my staff to my guests to hundreds of you who have emailed me. The response is overwhelming. The womanizer is incredible. I nicknamed it the clit whisperer because it seems to know exactly what feels best. The womanizer uses patented pleasure air technology to indirectly stimulate your clitoris with gentle suction and air pressure. It's so effective. Some women have an orgasm in 60 seconds. We weren't sure how you could improve upon the Womanizer, and now they have a new one. It looks like a lipstick. The new Womanizer to go has the same great technology in a body that looks like an oversized lipstick tube. It's so incognito. It makes a great gift. It's a great conversation piece and still gives you amazing orgasms. It's so cute. We've all fallen in love with it. You can just throw it in your purse. It's amazing. To order your Womanizer to go, click on the Womanizer banner on my site or find it at goodvibes.com slash emily. Okay, let's talk about the shame-pleasure paradox as it relates to sex <laughs> and relationships. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's such a great well, shame. Topic. It's a huge to unpack. It's a huge thing to unpack. But shame is one. We're talking about a lot of the blocks that we have to having amazing sex and experiencing pleasure in our lives. 
And a lot of this can be traced back to shame. I mean, I think so much of our, our sexual um, challenges lie around early shame, ongoing shame, shame that we don't even know is to call shame. That's right. That's and that's preventing shame. us from having pleasure. Let's talk about like that shame pleasure paradox, okay. right? Because I, you know, think about it as like, in my, in my opinion, we were born to experience pleasure. And you know that if you look at a little baby, yeah. right? A little innocent baby, if they get stroked when they're nursing, right? They're cooing, they're making you know, yummy noises, like they really experience pleasure in their body with, you know, with nothing around it except for pure sensation. Right. I mean, they basically only experience pain and pleasure. That's all that kids kids have, like little babies have. So we're really born that way. We're born to be pleasure animals, right? We have this birthright around pleasure. But what happens is the shame that is around pleasure, especially around anything around sexuality. Could be from our parents, religion. It could be because we're ashamed that what someone did to us growing up, that we just think sex is bad. We have shame. Right. And and that starts getting socialized. Like we start getting socialized around shame. And so, you know, think about all of the times when you see like a little girl, like I'm talking about a little girl, like a two-year-old, you know, touching her vagina. And what does the parent do? They swat her hand away, right. right? So we start getting these messages really early like this is bad. I'm not supposed to be touching myself, right? And this is what creates shame right. in our body. Exactly. And it's insidious. Shame is so shameful that we can't even talk about the fact that we're experiencing shame. Right. Exactly. And then once we learn to talk about it, obviously it's it's this, it's a huge relief and the shame just can, goes away. That's right. And that allows us to experience so much pleasure. But that's like what we talk about a lot is like, why is it so? So if we release, release the shame, we can experience more pleasure. And that's kind of what is preventing us from experiencing the maximum pleasure that we can actually experience in our life. Yeah. So like we have such a potential for pleasure. It's amazing. I mean, amazing potential for pleasure. That's why I love your journey because you've been on this path for seven years and you were in a sexless marriage for 20 years. Yeah. Like I think a lot of the people I know, a yeah. lot of our listeners, like really like painful sex, which what 80% of women experience painful sex over the lifetime you experience. And now when we talk about pleasure, I feel like you're on the other end of the spectrum of like you're able to have orgasms, full body orgasms, yeah. multiple orgasms, squirt, the whole thing yeah. that you could not access before. Yes. And so I think that that's just really inspiring to so many people that you actually can get there. So for women who are experiencing this pain and low libido and low desire, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways to unpack it. And it doesn't mean it has to be the final right. chapter. Yeah, yeah. And I think that you've worked really hard to get to where you're at. But I think for a lot of people, like, where would they start then? If they're like, yeah, I recognize that. I'm in a sexless marriage. So, God, how do we start unblocking? <sighs> that Breath. Breath. Breath is... Right? Yes. Like- breath. The more, the more breath the more pleasure. Right. So I actually talk about this in, in my in my book that I essentially talk about four principles to transform your sex life, right? Okay. And the, and this is really where it starts, right? The first one is like just have some awareness. Awareness of what's going on just by like reading the book or reaching out to somebody, you start to have an awareness and acknowledgement of it, right? Mm-hmm. The second piece is to start to get rid of that shame, to start to work through it. And it's really not as hard as you would think. Right. You know, sometimes it's just sitting down with a friend who you really trust and saying, like, let's share our shame stories. You you cannot believe 
how much better people feel oh, yeah. after it's just huge. talking about their stories. We call it a shame over in Somatica. Like the next day when we would like reveal That's all right. our shame, we're like, do you have a shame over? And it's gone. Like it is. I mean, it's still there, but it kind of becomes your story. Right. It becomes kind of your breakthrough moment. It does. Um, and then the third principle is to uh, really start to accept and love your body. And that's really important because especially for women, but also for men, um, body shame is a huge issue when it comes to sex, right? A huge issue if we feel bad about our body, if we think we've put some weight on or we don't like the way our boobs look or whatever, we can't be in this like expansive state which is where we need to be because we're up in our head thinking about oh my god I don't want my partner to see this or I feel really fat today right and so really starting to accept your accept your body and then the fourth one is to allow pleasure in and you know that's actually a lot harder for many women it is to let (laughs) this is what that's the shame pleasure paradox we might even have released some shame but because we have Challenges around our body. I mean, I hear from people every day who are like, I don't like my body or I don't feel comfortable. I'm insecure. I'm doing sex wrong. And any, if you're in your head during sex, you're not, you're not allowing yourself to experience as much pleasure as you possibly can. Right. And so I'm excited to talk to you also about how we can get women out of their heads. Yeah. And, you know, I think also some women have this belief that they're somehow that they're not entitled to have pleasure. That's another one too. Like, I don't deserve. I don't deserve it. Why is women, we walk around thinking like it's all, we're taking care of everybody else. That's right. And if we just don't, I mean, that's, I mean, that's not even about shame as much as is just being women, being fem, the feminine, like taking care of everyone else and we go last. We go last, right? Yeah. We go yeah. last. Yeah. So. <sighs> and I think also like, you know, another reason why I think women don't allow themselves to have pleasure when I think about, when you think about sex and orgasms is that so many women are concerned that it's taking them too long, right? Yes, we look at the clock. We're like, he's been going down to me for 28 minutes. That's right. If you're lucky. And then you're like, is he really going to sit here for another? Right, and then we stop ourselves. That's right. So remove the clock. (laughs) No, right. We worry about that, but it takes us however long, and you're going to hang out until we get there. And you know what? And actually, (laughs) most men actually enjoy it, right? They do. They do. A woman who is fully owning her pleasure and in her body, and you're making her feel good, and you're showing, it's it's the energy. So your partner... I always say that your partner wants to please you. Like totally. they really, really do. And we feel like we're taking up space. We're taking up time. And I always say like, like the best thing you can say to your partner is like, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here all night. Like just relax, <laughs> lay down. I'm going to get busy between your legs or whatever I'm doing. I'm not going anywhere. And then you can just kind of. <sighs> so, yeah, I mean, you <sighs> know, I, I can tell yeah. you that, um, you know, I opened my book talking about my night of goddess worship. Yeah. I love that story. And that's that's what happened, right? It was like a moment. It was like one night. It was one night where this man who I was dating who went and did this Tantra workshop came back and said, like, I wanna I wanna worship you. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, what that means. <laughs> like break this down, I'm a lawyer, do a contract, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Right. But it was like he basically said, No expectations. I'm not even gonna take my pants off. This is just your night. I don't care what happens. I just want you to enjoy. Right. And if you stop enjoying, we can stop and it was like it <laughs> broke something in me it was yeah. like it was the first time that I didn't have to worry about whether I have that orgasm or whether he has an orgasm right. or anything like that it was so incredibly freeing right and I think that that's a great takeaway that I think that um that that's a great tip for a lot I mean I think that and you don't have to call it a goddess worship if that doesn't make sense to you no. but it can just it's just giving without 
um, feeling like you need to give back or giving without the ex- expectation of receiving. That's right. And I think that that women can do this to their partner. It can be men and women can both, no matter what kind of relationship you're in, one can be the receiver, one can be the giver. And I think when you often take sex off the table or you just have one person who's receiving for the night, that can do so much for partners and their intimacy totally. as well. Totally. Such a good exercise. Such a great exercise. How can women get out of their head and into their bodies? Well, and this is not just for women. This is for and everybody. And men too. How can How do men we, do it? Yeah. So this is using, I think you know that, you know, my doorway into sexual awakening was through the doorway of Tantra. And there are principles mm-hmm. of Tantra, and this is one of them. And it's all about using, you know, it's gonna, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, breath, right, and sound and movement, which starts to, like when you are breathing deeply, right, and you're making sound, you can't be in your head. Like right. it's impossible to be in your head, right? Right. And so it's all about like actually allowing yourself to be in your body and using these really relatively simple tools. They are, that's the thing. It's like you have everything you need right there. Like I'm not asking you to go out and buy a vibrator, although I do that a lot. I will not do that right now. It's literally your breath. Making sound or music or sound, scent? It, yeah. sound in your body. Okay, breath and sound are forms of energy, and what we are trying to do with I'm going to talk a little bit about tantric sex here for a moment. Is that please? A, is that yes. Okay? No. Okay. What I'm saying, I want. Okay, I love that your gateway was through tantra, and I've actually been getting really interested in, in more tantra lately. And and I think I was a little bit more, and even as a sex educator, I you know I've read books on tantra and I understand a little bit, and I'm like, oh, it's a lot of work. I have to find a willing partner who wants to sit with me for six hours, stare into each other's eyes, and breathe, and then we're both going to somehow have full body orgasms. It just seemed like a lot of work, but I'm realizing now that it's it doesn't have to. Be. It's not a lot of work at all, no. and it can actually be the gateway for a lot of people. Not just, yes. You know, yeah, yes. to have better sex. Yes. So let's talk about it. Definitely. I love it. Let's, let's open up everyone. Yeah, yeah. No, let's open let's up everyone. Let's do it. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's you know, being able to like connect with our sexual energy and our sexual energy runs from our, all the way down to our, our perineum or the sacrum, mm-hmm. all the way through the center of our body up through our head. But, you know, this is what we do in Tantra. We actually start to circulate energy through our body and i know for a lot of people energy is this like really amorphous thing like what is energy right right how do you right so let me let me do an energy exercise let's do it okay Okay. so this is actually a really great exercise that you can do um so you're going to take your hands Mm -hmm. and you're going to rub them together really hard until you feel a lot a lot of heat and also usually helps if you close your eyes okay and then once you feel a lot of heat you're going to have your hands face each other, Ooh. right? And you're going to just imagine that there's like a little ball between your hands. So your hands are maybe about eight, 10 inches apart right now, okay. right? And you're going to put your attention in this empty space in between, but it's not empty. It's actually energy, okay. right? And you're going to breathe. And then slowly start moving your hands towards each other and notice if you're feeling any resistance i am feeling resistance yeah so and this my hands are feeling like they're feeling a little tingly tingly yeah yeah exactly mine are too that was so easy right and then move your hands back apart okay and notice resistance and then put your hands face our hands together but let's not touch 
right? And see if you can feel like the sensations between our two hands. Oh, yeah. Right? That is energy. I, I feel that. Right? And it's yeah. intense, right? It's really intense. So imagine if you could have that intensity during sex without maybe even touching each other. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a principle of Tantra, of, of connecting with that energy and letting that energy flow through your body. It's, tantric sex is very powerful. Yeah. So I so if I'm having tantric sex with somebody, how do I I mean so I, I think I told you a little bit about this and I have not actually I told Janae this, but I haven't talked about it on the show and I'm gonna do it in a future show. But I went on this John Wineland was on the show. It was an awesome episode. You guys can go back and check it out a few months ago. But I actually went on a retreat that he had in Hawaii and a lot of it was sort of he does a lot of masculine, feminine, David data work, but his, his girlfriend's a Kundalini teacher. And we did a lot of, we have to break into pairs. You know, I had, a, I had a male partner that I did not know, but we did some of just the basic like that, like breathing together mm-hmm. and, and looking into each other's eyes. And like, you know, at one point like I'd sit on that, but there was no sex allowed. It was like, but like mm-hmm. my legs wrapped around and I did for the first time felt that intimate intimacy and, and, and that intense energy that I'd never. So that's why I'm sort of, I you, get you it. You sat in Yabyum position yes. where Yabyum. Yes, Yabyum. So what happens there from an energetic perspective is all of your energy centers are lined up with each other. Right. Right. And so when you start breathing together, you are together moving this sexual energy right. up and down and around. And right. it's very potent. It's and I very literally powerful. did it for like a night. And it was, I mean, for like an hour or two. And then the next night, maybe for, and I experienced it. So I'm really, I really want to go more into this kind of work. It is powerful. Very powerful. Powerful. So that's so God. We were talking about touch. So that was kind of like getting out of your head is when you're breathing and yeah. using sound. So what kind of sound when you're saying sound? Yes. Yeah, so well, there's lots of ways to do it, and this is one of the things that's especially an issue for women. We have a lot of shame about making sound during sex. Right. It can't be too loud, but we need to be, be sexy. I should probably just sound like the porn star. Right. right. Exactly. And in fact, which like, isn't what you want to sound like no. unless it's your own voice, your own thing. Right. Find the, your sound. The best sounds are actually these deep guttural sounds. Right. That's what happens at the peak of for some women at the peak of a really good orgasm but so a really good uh, one of the exercises that I really like to do to help people start to feel sensation in their body is to start to feel vibration through sound so if we were to take a breath and we were to make the sound let's make the sound ah right and and notice where you feel the ah in your body right so let's do that Uh, okay, I felt it like my good. chest, my belly. Good, made it all the way down to like oh, good. the second. This is in tantra. This is like the closer to the second <laughs> chakra, right? But for a lot of people, it gets stuck here. So, so you know, the way we start to it unlock, sucks in your. And she pointed to her chest, and I think a lot of us kind of shallow breath. Yes. And we feel that more in our chest. Right. I've had to right. open this up. And remember, yeah. the, remember the saying, the more we breathe, the more we feel. Well, it's the same thing. Breath is like, think about it as this like high octane fuel right. to fuel you. Have it. Right? Mm-hmm. And the more you can breathe and the deeper you can breathe, the more you're going to start feeling it lower and lower and lower into your genitals. Right. 
right? And that starts to, just like the Kegels, that's part of it as well in Tantra. We use the PC muscle to also, in, in combination with the breath, mm-hmm. to really stir up the sexual energy. That is true, you guys. I know my next version of Kegel Camp, which is coming out, I think it's a great awakening. And you teach us as well. So let's talk about your work because you also are a intimacy coach, yeah. sex coach. You see clients and you also have a course you can take online. Yeah. How does that go down? So I do see clients both in person and in Skype, and I do sex and intimacy coaching, and I also teach principles. I don't, you know, sometimes people ask for Tantra, but I use these principles in a lot of my coaching because it really does help people have better sex and to start to awaken themselves. And I also teach an online class for women. It's called the Empowered Women's Guide to Orgasmic Bliss. It's actually going on right now. The next class will be starting in, I believe it's January or February, and you can Go to my website if you're interested and sign up. So it's an awesome class. See the website again? And we're gonna this is also all on our website. As well. uh, it's powerofpleasure.com. Powerofpleasure.com. It's an eight-week class. Uh, it involves some self-study home videos. It has a group teaching component. So we have these group calls once a week where I go over additional exercises and I really do laser coaching. That's great. With the women. So and women it's really awesome. right? Do they just open up and have yes. what happened like I mean it's amazing because it you know, having the experience of being able to talk about these issues in a group makes you realize that you are not broken and that <laughs> it isn't just your stuff. Like everybody else is having similar struggles. And it creates like a sense of relief, like, oh my God, I'm not the only one who's dealing with this. And then like, and this is how we're going to address it, right? right? So there's solutions and there's exercises. And so we work through like the shame and we work through, we we, we really talk about like, how do you bring pleasure into your life? Mm -hmm. We look at um, our erotic fantasies. What what are the emotions we want to go through for sex? And then I do have a component where we start to really learn to love our body, not in the group call. Yeah, we kind of cut off there. Cause <laughs> we, we were talking about it earlier, but it's like, because I get a lot of confidence questions from men. How do you learn to love your body? It's a process, but you can do it. Yes, definitely. And, and you know, with a lot of compassion and going slow. And, you know, I teach very specifically. I do teach some principles of Tantra because some people are interested in it. I teach women how to do what I call a self-loving practice. Mm-hmm. A self-loving practice to be able to love their body and explore their body in a really kind and gentle way, but not just focusing on their genitals, because this is part of the problem with women and our right, bodies. Focus on your, everything, your elbows, your breasts, run your hands, or is that what you talk about? Absolutely, some, mm-hmm. right? All, you know, really touching all parts of your body, using breath, because the reason women don't have have a hard time with orgasms, of course, is because the energy gets trapped. It's trapped. You can just unleash the yeah, release genitals. that energy. I think that that was for me personally. That was a big thing too, and I had to work on that. Like I think, and back in the day when it started happening for me, it was more like I didn't know this at the time, but it was yoga and meditation. You know, when, yeah. after I realized when I was twenty and I was having this problem, and through my twenties I worked on it, but now I realize there's. There's a lot of great practices that you can do. So yeah. I feel like for people, and it's not like you have to sit. I don't know. I think people, I, I guess I always think of myself because it takes me a long time to develop a habit and to commit to things that I really want to do. And I want to make it easy for people who are like, yeah, but I don't have time to self-pleasure for 25 minutes, or, right. you know, but 
well, you have time to like, why would you have waste time having bad sex or resisting sex or just not having as much pleasure? Like, what if we told you that these kind of practices, which we are telling you, could give you more pleasure and then you have more pleasure in your life? I think it's just so important to totally take that true. Time. And and for you to know what you really want and to understand what does turn you on from a you know from a physical perspective, right? Because I think right? also that's the big thing too is that a lot of a lot of us don't know women and men, but I think I feel like it's more women who are like I have no idea what. Like a guy, you know, my partner asked me, what do I want or what turns me on? And I don't know. I think a lot of this work helps people realize, what is my turn on? Like, I don't even know. Or what, not even like fantasies as well as just, oh, who knew that under my armpit could give me multiple orgasms? That's right. (laughs) What if that happened? And we can have orgasms any place in our body, right? Yes, we can. You know, that's what's amazing about women and our orgasmic potential. Exactly. We have such orgasms. And so few women really understand that. And it makes me like, so like, oh, I just want all of you to be able to be in pleasure for a half an hour, 45 minutes or an hour and just have one orgasm after another and each one be, you know, better and better. Yeah, exactly. Like that is totally Who doesn't want that? We all all (laughs) want that. I was just laughing because I was thinking about when you're like, you have a lot of potential. I was thinking about like a job interview. Someone saying, you have a lot of potential, but what if we just now, like said to women, I see a lot of orgasmic potential in you. (laughs) You have just immense amounts of orgasmic potential, but I love that you help them get there. Uh, Janae Paylet. Thank you. So I'm going to have you um, help me answer some questions here. Sure. And everyone Can should I check out your book. One yes, more thing? please. Oh, yeah. Because I know there's a lot of men in, in on, on your program, and this the book has a lot of information about men as well. But men have an amazing ability to be able to have non-ejaculatory orgasms through a tantric practice yes. where they can just stay hard for hours. And like, who wouldn't want that? I think we should give some airtime to this because what about men? You see men as well. And Absolutely. so what about men who can't stay hard, have, you know, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, just don't, I mean, you have practiced through Tantra. A lot of men can kind of work with this. You can work with them yes. and help them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Manage. yes, I mean, there are a lot of ways, you know, there are a lot of reasons why men, for, for example, have erect, erection issues. Let's just say erection challenges. Erection, erection <laughs> challenges, right? I hate that word. Dysfunction. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I don't mean you've dysfunction. I know. You're right. Yeah. It, and you, they have challenges. They have, they have challenges. Them. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it's not physiological. Right. It's an emotional piece. Right? There's something that's holding them back. There's some wounding that they've had. There's some way in which it's a sexual shutdown for men. It, it is. But yeah, we, we were talking about women, men have this too. They have early experiences. Any, you know, it just takes, I always say it takes one person looking at your penis and saying it's, there's something wrong with it, shaming you. Right. Or they're feeling shut down about like their life. You know, like if a man is not empowered around their life, if they hate their job, you know, if they hate their wife, you know, right. if they're really disempowered, well, for many men, the the cock is like, well, I'm, yeah, I'm not coming to the party exactly. either. Right? You need to have that empowerment place in order for your cock to respond. So I think it's a very common for men as well. And we work through it. Yeah, everyone should check out your book, uh, Living an Orgasmic Life. And let's explain that they should pre-order because you're doing, if people pre-order it on your website, there's going to be a place where they can pre-order the book, then it's a crowd funding yeah, so I'm working with a company, it's called Publishizer, and they actually match authors with uh, potential, with public publishers. So it's an author-publisher match, and the way they determine, the publishers determine whether they want to publish your book, and of course, I want a publisher to publish the book mm-hmm. because I want this message to get out to the millions of women and men who are sexually shut down and who can use this mm-hmm. these tools and information is based on the number of copies 
of books or pre-orders of books that you sell in a month period. Oh, so people got to do it right now. Yeah. Okay. It's so a, go to your website. Um, yeah. Go to the website, powerofpleasure.com. Click on the link. They'll get a hard copy and a digital copy. That's right. Yeah, you guys, I, I got a lot out of it. I really love your book. I think it's great work. I can't believe it's only been seven years that you've done all this and you're bringing all this power to the people. So thank you. Thank you. So let's get on to some emails. If you have a question you want me to answer in the show, that's amazing. You can text me your questions. It's so easy. Text Ask Emily as one word to 797979. That's Ask Emily. You can also submit a question from sexwithemily.com via the Ask Emily tab. And as always, include your gender, your age, where you live, and how you listen to the show. Dear Emily, I'm a new listener and totally hooked on your show. Thank you for the public service you provide. I recently separated and finalizing divorce and very excited and nervous about entering the dating scene. I have one question that's been weighing on my mind. I think I have an attachment issue. When a guy brings me to an orgasm, I want to have more and more like a thirsty puppy. I also find myself getting super excited when I get texts or calls from someone I'm sleeping with. How do I approach casual dating and how do women sleep with multiple people and not get attached? Love, love, love your show. JR, I'm female, 33, Dallas, Texas. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I mean, God, the casual sex question comes up all the time now because people are having more casual sex. And I think that women really just have to check in, man. Is it right for me? How do you feel the next day? Like check in with yourself. It is not for everybody. It truly is not for everybody. But also about wanting orgasms. Like I think that she could probably learn how to have more orgasms she wants without that you're thirsty it's i think that's great that her body probably has more orgasmic yeah. potential like we were talking about yeah i mean it sounds what would like you say? yeah it sounds like you know it's great that she wants more orgasms and that's something that her body wants you know it sounds like she she does have an attachment issue i mean she's you know it definitely sounds like i don't know her background but from her divorce, right, there's probably some wounds around that. And maybe there was a codependency kind of needy mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it sounds like from an attachment perspective, there's an anxious attachment style that's going on, right? Like, right. So the second end, she wants more. Right. The second she ends, she wants more. And like, she's nervous that he doesn't call her. And right, she needs to have that. So, you know, how do you work with attachment issues? I mean, that's a little complicated, right? But attachment issues are about like, are you enough for yourself, right? Right. Like, can you be happy with who you are? And can you be in a place where you can come into a relationship being a co-equal partner and not being somebody who feels like you need to be needy or dependent right. on somebody else, right? So there's a, there's some deep would that issues be th- there. You think that would be talk therapy to start with? Yeah, I mean, I think that's... I love that you cover attachment issues too in your book as well. That's why I was like, oh good, a little attachment, a little tantra, a little this, a little that. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I think... Uh, I we think, do think there's some attachment and um, go see a go see a therapist, yeah. go see a sex coach, somebody who can help you work through what's going on and why do you have why do you why do you have that need and how do you feel more confident in in yourself? Right, and I think also that that's a great point because also after divorce, like if you have you done the work around, I think that it's just necessary that after you break up with someone, it was abusive relationship. Did you really go to therapy? And I'm not talking once or twice with your partner towards the end. Like, did you work on? what's happened in the relationship, what your part in it was, what you want in your future. And so right now, having casual sex may or may not be the right thing for you. We don't know. Right, we don't know. That's where I'd spend your time there, sweetie. Thank you for emailing and I'm so glad you like the show, JR. Hi, Emily. I'm a fairly new listener and recently married. We've been together for two and a half years. I love my husband and our sex life is great. We both need to work on foreplay, but we're still learning about each other. 
Before I met my husband, I was in an abusive relationship. It wasn't physical, mainly emotional and mental abuse. My ex-boyfriend made me feel like I wasn't good enough. I've worked through most of this with my husband, but there's still one thing I need to bring up. I have some triggers, mainly blowjobs. I want to talk to my husband about this, but I haven't found the words. I may have invented this, but he doesn't really go down to me, and I'm wondering if it's because I don't like giving blowjobs. Can you share some advice to get me started? Maybe I should write down some thoughts first before I bring my husband into the conversation. Thank you, Emily. Another Emily, 27, Indiana. Well, Emily, um, God, I'm so glad that you're asking this question that you came to me because, yeah, I do think that it's something to think about first, um, definitely before you talk to him. And I'm glad that Janae's here to talk about this as well because um, it sounds like you still might have some triggers. And I love that you've worked through all this, but there still is always a little bit more. We're never done peeling back the layers of the onion. Never. And so, um, yeah. So, Janae, you said you had some stuff to to say to this, some some particular things about blowjobs that you were excited about. Well, I think part of what happens, and I don't know why what Emily's trigger is around blowjobs. The other Emily, Emily, yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure what her her trigger is around blowjobs and why it's, it's an issue for her. But um, one thing to consider is I, I feel like a lot of women give blowjobs out of obligation and they're not actually enjoying it for their own pleasure. So one of the principles of, um, of, of the work that I do, the work that mm-hmm. we, we learned, right, is, you know, touching and doing things that feel good for your body, like using your partner for your own pleasure. Right. And when you consider that, like, well, if I was to take his penis and, you know, it feels really good if I rub it around my lips and what it feels like in my mouth and think about your own sensation as opposed to I'm doing this to please you. I'm doing this to please me, to use your body for my pleasure. That's a very powerful shift. It is a really powerful shift in the way in which we're thinking. Yeah, I think that I think that is such a great point. That touching for your own pleasure exercise um, is it such a, it's such an important. It was so really powerful. We did that together in Somatica, and I think it's also in your book as Definitely. well. Because we so often we touch, especially as women, we're talking about that we're pleasers and we want everyone to feel good. That so often, especially with sex, we're socialized to make our partners feel good. That it's about their pleasure, and if we have pain or we don't have pleasure, that's okay as long as I touched him well I gave him a killer blowjob like when people ask me for blowjob tips I think it's so important here that what you're talking about is like how can we teach people giving say not just women but anyone giving blowjobs to ex- experience pleasure from it and it's a, that's also a practice because it's the way we've been like socially they're not even in their bodies perhaps a lot of times they're just like is this the right I, I heard right. they, they want I should go really deep in my throat and use my hand and Emily says to use my t- whatever I've taught about I've taught but like there is a way to be like I'm like you know it's like goddess energy like I can take this penis in my mouth and I can make it feel it feels so good to me like how it tastes in your throat and you're right rubbing on your face seeing how it looks against your skin and like right. making it your own making that penis your own for that moment and really like you know, getting into it, yeah, like making teaching it that, about your pleasure, making about your pleasure, right? And that could be a, that could be a totally new concept for for many people, but it totally is it, it a totally, beautiful way to have sex, right? And it shifts things, right? Because shifts it. if you're having pleasure touching your partner, he he's going to realize exactly. how much pleasure you're having, and he's going to have more pleasure, and it creates this beautiful circuit of pleasure, right? So that's what we just talked about to Emily, but also she wants to know why he's not going down on her, and I'm wondering if Emily. And he's your husband. I mean, I feel like I think you absolutely should start talking about sex to your husband. Like, like right now would be great. I love. I think like couples like talk about sex. So, I mean, I don't expect you to give him a blowjob. Right? To, you have a trigger around it. We don't. Again, we don't know what it is. So, I don't even know that you can even lead with this. 
doing the like get give him blowjob tomorrow and it's you're going to be able to do this exercise right away because we're not sure but i do think talking to your husband about you know i know we've talked a lot about our you know our sex life or what's gone on my past relationship but there's you can even use me as an example say you you listen to the show or whatever it is to say i there's still some stuff i want to talk to you about i love you know i really want to please you and i want to make you feel good i have some challenges around you know oral sex and i'm thinking i'm going to work on some of this stuff and you could bring up the way that it makes you feel like I love when you perform oral sex on me. And you can even ask him. I think it's healthy to say I've been feeling like maybe because I have these challenges around going down on you that maybe you're withholding from me or maybe you think I don't like it. How does that feel to you? Like yeah. Literally just have a conversation yeah. like that from your heart, honestly, because you we don't know. Yeah. See what he says. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the best way to have a good sex life is to be able to have conversations around sex, right? And try to come at it from a, a place without judgment and without shame and just like, can we just talk right. about, you know, kind of what's going on here? Because what I'm noticing and, you know, not a blaming, no like blaming. you're not going down on me, but what I'm right. noticing is that I feel like you don't want to pleasure me and I'm not sure what's going on for you and you know can we just like have a have a talk yeah. about this and this is really important for couples to do you cannot have a great so sex important. life if you can't talk about it it can't yeah communication is lubrication <laughs> like that yeah. communication is lubrication yeah, it's oh. true i mean I've, i i talk about that a lot on the show you got to talk about things and these are some different layers but once you yeah once you talk about it everything gets easier i mean in life the more you talk about sex it's going to get easier for you guys to have the conversations but i get why you might want to write down notes emily i'm laughing because i'm not laughing but I, i'm feeling you because i understand that when you the first time you do anything like this, it's it's hard. Scary. So it's scary, it's but scary, it, get, it gets easier and it'll become part of your relationship. Just like you're talking about where you're going on vacation or what you're having for dinner. You can be like, so last night when we were having sex, it can become that as well. And that's how you will improve your Yeah, and like a, a simple exercise that you could do that I think is really helpful in these situations. It's like you play a game, yeah. right? Okay. And you like each write down, like these are the things I would like you to do to me. These are the things I would like to do to you. Right, and then you just got to start to have a conversation around it yeah. without there having to be like a big issue. Right, right. Play a game. I love it. Okay, Janae, I'm going to ask you the five quickie questions I ask all my guests. Okay, ready? Let me take a breath. I'll think. <sighs> okay. Okay. What's your biggest turn on? Oh, being tied up. Okay. Biggest turn off? I don't like being degraded. Okay. Craziest place you've gotten busy? Craziest place I've gotten busy was uh, on a hammock. In, at Harbin Hot Springs. Oh, love it. Um, sexiest part of a par- your partner's body or a partner's body? Oh, that depends. I, I love the neck. I'm a big neck nape person yeah. and ears. Um, what's the one thing you wish you could tell your current or and or future partners about your body's needs? One thing they need to know. Anything. So easy. Go slow. <laughs> it takes me a lot of time. Yeah, right. Good. And I like to go slow. Good job. Look, you killed it. Didn't even need to prep for it. Um, You're awesome, Janae. Thank you so much. Everyone check out her book, Living an Orgasmic Life, and your website, which is it's all going to be on my website if you want to say it again. Powerofpleasure.com. Powerofpleasure.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you to all my amazing listeners, and I love hearing from you. Thank you for emailing me your questions. Thank you to my amazing team. You're awesome. And thanks for listening. Was it good for you? Email me, feedback at sexwithemily.com. I went over to my best girlfriend's house to cheer her up after a recent breakup. Of course, I bought her a care package that I thought would do the trick. And not to brag, but I nailed it. I hadn't seen her that excited since prom. 
See, I'm pretty gifted at gifting pleasure, but the combination of the magic wand rechargeable and a pint of ice cream had her this close to forgetting about her heartache. She had no idea that the magic wand was now unleashed from its cord. She couldn't believe it had four intensity levels, four new vibration patterns, the same mind-blowing power as the original, and can easily be used in any room of the house. And hey, she can even throw it in her bag on her next date, when she's ready, of course. And get this, I haven't heard from her since, so I think the two of them will be very happy together. But let's be honest, who wouldn't? The Magic Wand Rechargeable is the sure thing. To get yours, just go to magicwandemily.com or click the banner on my website today.